Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to this episode of the Heart of Poker sponsored by A Today Poker, a podcast that aims to introduce all of us to the players we already know so well, but in a totally new way. Now we're not talking strategy here. Instead, let's participate in a little experiment. 25 years ago, some psychologists came up with 36 questions for people to sit and ask each other. The idea was to see if they could get total strangers to fall in love by shortcutting intimacy. Now we don't have like three hours, so I've shortened the list, I've updated some of them, but otherwise these are the questions that they used. So let's find out if we can get to know and fall in love with my next guest in these 45 minutes. My guest this time is the ferociously lovely Ebony Kenny, professional poker player, team pro with ACR, a streamer, a confidence coach, and someone who unapologetically encourages other women to be confident and purposeful and connected to themselves. If you've ever met Ebony or watched her online, you'll know she's not afraid to say it like she sees it, and I really respect that. So Ebony, welcome to the podcast. I feel like we've been getting to know each other a little bit better online these past couple of years, and I've been looking forward to actually speaking to you. Yeah. Wow. Okay. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for that intro. (laughs) Can I, I'm just going to steal that and just make that my introduction. Your voice is perfect. Everything (laughs) ferocious. Like I'm here for this. Yeah. And you're right. The past couple of years have been great. It was so great to see you last year in Madrid, right before Mm. lockdown. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the last hurrah that we had for live poker, you know, for mm-hmm. us anyways here. And you actually spent a lot of the lockdown time in Canada. I'm Canadian, but you're American. And mm-hmm. now you're back on home soil. Is that right? Yes, I've been back for it's uh, three and a half weeks now. And I actually, so I was, I mean, not a lot. I spent all of lockdown in Canada. So I was there for 17 months. <laughs> And it was unexpected. I went up there for a project with John Party and Drew Gonzalez um, f- with ACR. And I got there, I guess, I think it was about nine days before the border closed. Oh, <laughs> and so, boy. And it was, it was a paid project. So I just made the decision, my family and I, and when I say my family, my two kids and I made the decision that since everything was locking down and I'm primarily a live player, that it made mm-hmm. sense for me to stay there uh, for our family. And uh, it's been 17 months. And I mean, it was tremendous lockdown, extreme, extreme, didn't go anywhere. So now that I'm back in Austin, I feel like I'm one of those people that comes out of a bunker and life is completely (laughs) different. I'm like, oh, my God, people, get away from me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it must feel really weird. I'm I'm looking forward to it myself, but I'm also a little nervous because I know – I mean, it does have effects on you. It's been a pretty extreme lockdown over here too in Italy um, because of like health issues for our family. And Mm -hmm. I am both excited and kind of nervous to re-enter the world. So, (laughs) yeah, it's it's exactly that. My son uh, is immunocompromised, Mm -hmm. and we had to take it super seriously. And so, when I first, um, I had a group dinner with. five of my girlfriends here um, a couple weeks ago and I literally like walking in, I immediately just started crying. I was like, uh, yeah. this is so overwhelming and it's so weird to be around a bunch of women because I had been around, you know, Arlie and John and Drew, just testosterone everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was it was very isolating and I didn't realize how much I missed 
um, that powerful feminine energy around me mm. until I had it. And it was so overwhelming. And so I had to let them know ahead of time. I was like, look, I'm very happy to be here, but this is a lot for me right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What has been kind of the biggest thing for you to get used to in the last three weeks? Because you, you've not just kind of come out of lockdown, but you've moved back to a whole other country. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing, one thing I really appreciated uh, that Canadians do really well is they love respecting personal space. Right. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> uh, so being out in uh, like in the grocery stores and stuff, it's completely different. Like mm. being as an American, being in Canada and being on both sides. I was in Vancouver um, for about eight eight or nine months and then in Toronto for mm. another nine months. And being on both sides, it's both sides of Canada. One thing was the same. Like they had like directions in the stores and they had like barriers and it mm. was like, please respect space. And here, the first time I went to the grocery store and I am a big believer um, in reducing plastic waste. So I bring my own bags, reusable bags. And in Canada, if you brought reusable bags, you had to bag your own groceries. Mm. So here they offered to bag my groceries with my reusable bags. And I was like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure so you want to do these, that? <laughs> yeah. Just these like little things huh. and people standing so close to me in public. I kind of, mm. I'm kind of like looking over my shoulder, like, what are you doing? Get away from me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were definitely in Canada long enough to sound a little Canadian. Like the yes. way you say Toronto. I'm like, yes, respect. <laughs> Nicely done. I definitely picked it up for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to get started. This, um, this sets of questions that we're going to be looking at, it comes in three sets. They kind of get progressively more personal as it goes through. Okay. So the getting to know you phase is this one. Uh, it says, take four minutes, round about four minutes, and just kind of tell me your life story in as much detail as you want, you know, where you were born, you know, where did you pick up poker, that kind of thing. I know four minutes is not long, so that's what you got. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I grew up in Fort Myers, Florida, uh, which is, for those of you who haven't been to that part of Florida, it is the South. Uh, I'm a biracial oldest of three girls and uh, being half black, half white with the name Ebony, it was very, I didn't realize how strange my experience was hmm. um, or how segregated my experience was until I moved away and came back. And I was like, oh, um, I was a super nerd, <laughs> teacher's pet <laughs> every year. Uh, I was a straight A student in gifted programs and I just really threw myself into school. We, I didn't have a very uh, good childhood. Uh, we grew up extremely poor. We had a lot of personal stuff happen. And school was my escape, school and books. Mm. And my teachers were my best friends. Uh, so oh. I was a very strange um, – I was kind of like Hermione from Harry Potter. I was the know-it-all girl who told everybody, and I always knew all the answers. I was always the first one done on all the tests. I didn't really learn uh, social skills. <laughs> <laughs> um, so – but I was really good at emulating. Um, so I, like, copied, I guess, is what I did with my social skills. Mm -hmm. um, so – you know, excelled in school, did really well, somehow, uh, not somehow, but miraculously got pregnant with my daughter at 18. 
and uh, which was crazy for my whole family. I had a scholarship to college and I decided to, I had a full full ride to college and I decided mm-hmm. I was going to not be an engineer as the plan and was just going to honor, you know, my experience of having my daughter and uh, was a beauty school dropout. I did, <laughs> I did a little bit of everything. Um, I started stripping at the ripe old age of 19. And that was um, not by, it was a choice Mm -hmm. that I felt like I was forced to make. Mm, Um, And and, uh, found poker at 20, actually. My son's, he would eventually become my son's father, was always going to play poker. And I was a super insecure, um, jealous girlfriend. And he was going, (laughs) you know, five nights a week playing till like four in the morning. And I was like, what are you really doing? I'm coming with you. And I forced him to take me. <laughs> and he was playing $20 tournaments in the basement of his uh, friend's parents' house. And I fell in love with the game immediately, watched mm. it one time. And I said, okay, I'm playing the next one. And he's like, you don't know how to play. I'm like, I just watched. I got this. <laughs> and um, that's how I played. And never looked back. Started playing poker. Had At this point... Um, I got pregnant with my son shortly after, had my son, and then moved back to Florida. I was in New Jersey at the time. And uh, yeah, so just been playing poker, been in and out of – I feel like I've been on the better side of growth the past like 10 years. I'm 39 Mm -hmm. now, and I'm really finding myself, and um, I've become a better better parent, a better friend, a better person, a better partner. And a better poker player. Mm. And I feel like I'm still, I still have so much to learn. And now I'm really happy. Um, I'm not, I'm completely okay with saying I don't know. Whereas before I felt like I needed to know all of the answers. Mm. And as I've gotten older and as my children and I have gotten closer, closer, because it's been, you know, it's the three of us for the most, for the most part, it's always been the three of us. I've, you know, I've dated and I've had some really amazing people in my life that have been there for my kids, but it's always been the three of us. Mm. And they've even, even my son mentioned um, a few months ago during our lockdown, he said that the way that I've parented, he's seen the difference. And huh. he told me this, he was 16 and I'm like, this is, this is great, you know? (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's, I guess that's, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, I've had a lot of experiences, a lot of crazy jobs. Mm. Um, Me excelling in school really got me to experience a lot of things that people in my family, that my other family members didn't get to experience. Uh, I I really, like I got to go to Washington DC in high school as a representative for my congressman. Um, and I got to go to an engineering program at the Coast Guard Academy, um, the summer before my senior year. And these were all, you know, all expenses paid trips. And it was strictly because of my grades and my, you know, where I was excelling academically mm. and being the super nerd that I was. <laughs> so. Huh. I like what you say about, um, learning how to say that you don't know. It's something that I've been kind of working on, I think the last few years that, and how to say I'm sorry mm, and like, but, mm-hmm. and to say it as easily as possible, you know, yeah. it's something that I'm trying to teach my kid as well as to, you know, model being able to, you know, to say you're sorry and not to become defensive and all of that. And, you know, these are interesting things that maybe it just took me this long to kind of figure out, but I, I do feel like the older I get, the, 
the wiser I get. Do you feel that? Yeah. 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 I definitely feel, I feel wiser and I feel softer. Mm. And when I was younger, I thought soft was a weakness. And now I'm just realizing that it's an absolute superpower, you know, being forgiving and being forgiven Mm. are two, like two things that are so extremely important and valuable that no one really tells you about when you're younger. And it's, I feel like, we're taught so much that we need to like capitalize on everything and <laughs> know as much as possible and show be no the smartest weakness one in the room. As well. yeah, yeah, and never show no show weakness. weakness. And yeah. I'm just, I'm really just in this spot now where I'm so happy to own up being vulnerable and I don't care if it makes other people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stand in that completely and and be authentic to who I am in that moment even if that means, you know, that I'm apologizing or that I'm being soft yeah. or that I'm standing for what I believe in, even if everyone else in the room doesn't agree with me. Yeah. These are things that I really, I, I see in you and I really admire. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Next question is what would be a perfect day for you? Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, man, so many things. We only have 24 hours, so I would perfect sleep. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect sleep is super important to me. Um, starting my day with my butter coffee, meditating, getting in a really good um, session of meditation and journaling. Um, I just reached, I think it's like I'm on day like 511 or 512 of meditating in a row, which is a big deal for me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's super important. Um, I would definitely go to the gym. 17 months being in isolation, not being able to go to the gym. I've now – I've been at the gym like 10 or 11 times since I've been back <laughs> and I'm pumped to be back there. <laughs> so get a good workout in, get a session in at the infrared sauna. A lot of um, like pay attention to my mind and my body and mm-hmm. then I would probably go hiking with my kids and um, – probably have a girl's dinner. We do these really intimate dinners and all the phones are away and it's just really connected and mm. really purposeful and oh, it's exactly what I need every time I get it. Mm. <laughs> uh, and then salsa dancing for sure, 100%. Uh, some Latin dancing And I guess a little bit of poker too, you know, get a little bit of my feminine energy filled up and a little bit of my masculine energy filled up. And I think that's about it. Spending time with the people that I love doing the things that I love. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like a good day. Um, You mentioned that you've had a lot of strange jobs. So what would you say the strangest (laughs) job that you've ever had is? Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) So... (laughs) Are you ready for this? Oh, yeah. I'm so ready. <laughs> so I was a makeup artist. Oh, <laughs> I was wow. a makeup artist okay, cool. um, at 19. So that's not the strange job. Okay. Well, kind of. So um, at 19, I dropped out of beauty school because – or I think I was 20. I dropped out of beauty school because I realized that I just wanted to do makeup. I didn't really want to do hair. So I got a job at MAC right. Cosmetics before like 
influencing was a thing and we were like the really weird makeup artists. So when I moved to New Jersey, (laughs) I transferred and became an assistant manager at the Cherry Hill Mall, at the Mac store at the Cherry Hill Mall. And some photographer came in um, asking to speak to the manager and I was the manager on duty. And he said that he was um, looking to hire a makeup artist for a shoot and he's having a really difficult time. And I was pregnant with my son at the time. I think it was like five months pregnant. And, uh, and I was like, oh, sure. You know, like, what are you looking for? And he was like, well, I'm a porn photographer. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I'll do it. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. I did, uh, makeup a couple times for, uh, porn photography. And that was definitely one of the craziest, um, experiences (laughs) I've ever, (laughs) I've ever had. Man. I can imagine. And the, the irony it, of it is like back then I thought I was super open-minded. Yeah. Right. I mean, back then I thought I was super open-minded and not judgmental, but I was for sure, you know, but oh yeah, enough to, not enough to like prevent me from doing it. You know, I did it with a smile and I loved it and <laughs> yeah, it was super weird. <laughs> I bet it was super weird. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, for what in life do you feel most grateful? Oh, my children. Mm. Um, I'm definitely most grateful for my children. They have been the, not only the biggest gifts in my life, but they've been my biggest teachers, um, Mm. my biggest supporters, and they always keep it real. (laughs) (laughs) And if anyone can have anyone like that in their life that is supportive and loving and keeping it real, you know, it's not perfect. Yeah. And it, it's never going to be, but I'm definitely the most grateful for Jaden and Kate. They have been, they are two of the most magnificent human beings I know. Mm -hmm. And I'm just lucky I get to say that I'm their mom. It's pretty cool that you get to be their mom. I mean, that's, that's (laughs) going to have played a part in how cool they are, right? (laughs) For sure. I did yeah, all the good. credit. Good. <laughs> I want to make sure you take that credit. Okay, good. Um, so you're, you're raising them, but the next question is, it's the last question of this first set. If you could change anything about the way that you were raised, what would that be? Oh my God. Just one thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so why are you going to make me cry? Oh, I'm so glad this is not on camera then. (laughs) I'm a crybaby, so. (laughs) Me too. Um, So growing up, I was extremely smart and I have two younger sisters and they were doted on for their beauty Mm. and I was the ugly duckling, so I got picked on a lot. I was bullied a lot and... My mom never really – I realized that it had to do with the way that she was raised, right? Like right. you can only use the tools that you have available to you. Yeah. But my mom didn't do a very good job of protecting her children mm. and didn't do a good job of letting us know that we were worthy regardless of what other people thought. Yeah. So that was a lot of shit I had to unpack <laughs> and I'm yeah. still unpacking at 39. Yeah. 
And I didn't realize how much it played a part in how I behaved in my 20s. And I don't make excuses for anything. I own every part of of every negative situation I co-created, every bad relationship, every bad decision, every all of it. I own every part of it. But I do – I have realized that that has definitely played a part in why it's taken so long for me to unpack everything and kind of own, mm. you know, those parts of myself. Yeah. Do you think that that experience is part of what has kind of driven you to be such an advocate for women? Because you really, I mean, a lot of what you do and a lot of your social media presence is about really advocating that women get in touch with themselves and, and you know, trust themselves and, and, and feel that kind of power in themselves as well. A hundred percent. I yeah. mean... I feel like, and I can't speak for all women, but I know for me specifically, and and I've and I know a lot of women that this the journey has been the same, mm. that our just just existing has been weaponized against us. Yeah, and I my existence was weaponized before I even knew who I was, you know, yeah. as a child, and no one. Nobody, no human being should ever have to go through that. And I feel like women specifically have to deal with, you know, um, people trying to take ownership of our existence yeah. or or judge it or pick it apart or make it about them and what they like or what they would rather have mm-hmm. or what they would prefer us to wear how we speak, how we look, you know, how we show up. And for me, I've just realized that it doesn't matter how women show up. There's going to be somebody who has a problem with it. So if you're not showing up for yourself and you're showing up trying to win, um, you know, somebody else's, like be in someone else's good graces Mm -hmm. and somebody else is still going to have a problem with it, then what are you even doing? And I just, I just don't want women to feel worthless ever. And no matter how bad they're doing, they're still worthy. Like Mm -hmm. no matter how bad you're doing today or how little you think you're getting done, as a woman, we are still worthy of all of the love and the respect and the safety and the peace that we want. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is understanding that I am worthy of those things and we are worthy. We are inherently good. Yeah. And yeah, I just, if I could save like one little ebony from feeling any kind of shame or guilt, needless guilt, you know, or cut it in half or do anything, then I feel like I've won. Yeah. I look at the the newer generations coming up and I Wow, I think that they have a lot of challenges that I didn't have that you didn't have, but I also mm-hmm. think that they have I don't know, there is a kind of strength in there where people are starting to tell them like you don't have to be what's considered appropriate. You don't have mm-hmm. to strive to be the good one. You know, like that's such a toxic thing. It, it, that was kind of for me um growing up was always trying to, you know, be the good one. Not yeah. in a bad way, but it does create this kind of weird competition. And there's always this, I don't know if you're, you know, if you're kind of well-known or whatever online or um, in poker or any other kind of arena, 
you're going to get a lot of people who are strangers commenting on you. Mm-hmm. And I know you know this. <laughs> I mean, you know this <laughs> as much as any of us do. Um, and yeah, the, there's, there's always seems to be these little seeds of people saying, oh, you get, you're the good one or you're, you know, you've got like grace. And I always think that's such a, I don't know, it's such a double-edged sword because they're saying other people don't, other women specifically Mm -hmm. don't have this and that that's somehow lesser. And Mm -hmm. it's just that kind of competition, driving that competition between women instead of, you know, all of the different kinds and forms of womanhood being acceptable and awesome and and great and wanting to be explored. It just kind of keeps us all very separate in a way. Yeah, I think speaking on that is, I mean, you're exactly right. Com- I think competition is good, but mm-hmm. the way that that women have been raised is we are competing against each other for resources, <laughs> i.e. the attention of men. Right. Yes. <laughs> and we have to, we've been raised to kind of like other each other and yeah. put each other in boxes and labels. And, and I, I was someone who even so perfect example when i was a stripper i would other my coworkers huh. <laughs> i was a sex worker who othered sex workers <laughs> yeah. and i would say yeah but i'm not like them right and i was so i didn't even realize how much i was perpetuating the bullshit cycle that was put on to me about shame and needing to not be you know exactly what mm-hmm. you said i i need to be the good one or i need to show up in some way that is somehow like more digestible yeah for that's for such a good way to put it yeah someone's palate that I have no interest in that literally has no interest in me as a human being let and alone you're still being you know. consumed that metaphor yeah. is so good because you are literally then being consumed as well you're a product yeah. mm-hmm. why yeah so I had to I had to learn how to um stop being. I was I was definitely a woman who didn't have a lot of girlfriends. I was like I just don't get along with girls. There t- there's so much drama and I didn't realize <laughs> that it was how I was showing up, right? right. The yeah. minute I started showing up with an abundance and loving mindset is the moment I started to have real women show up for me in my life and I was right. like, "Whoa. This is what this is like?" Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Huh. Well, that's good. It leads us right into the next question, which is what do you value most in a friendship? Mm. Um, yeah, authenticity. Mm. I, I, I want someone who is going to give it to me straight. And I feel like a lot of people confuse um, being honest with being like a dick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> brutally honest, but like, yeah, they're the like, brutality. oh, I'm, I'm being brutally honest. And yeah. it's like, just because you have this opinion, is it actually like helping the situation or are you just sharing this because you need to get this off your chest and it doesn't yeah. – it's not constructive, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think for me that's 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 it. I want, I want people to show up authentically and fully when they can. And I think that's the important thing too. I don't – I don't make demands on my friends. I'd rather my – like – the people in my life tell me like if I ask if I need help or if I need their advice mm-hmm. and they don't have the emotional capacity or the time to give it to me, I want them to tell me yeah. because I don't want I don't want them to be trying to give me something they literally don't have the energy to. It's not mm-hmm. fair. That's what friends do. We, we It's a give and take. Yeah. 
Okay, well, what is now one of your most treasured memories? Do you have something like an emotional happy place that you go to when you need a little bit of stability or happiness? Oh, let me see. I mean, there's so many. Mm. (laughs) So many. That's good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it is. I'm very happy. Um, I think... I think the biggest, my biggest happy place was when my son woke up out of his coma. Yeah. Um, because at that time, before he woke up, uh, the day after he went into his coma, the doctors basically said, all right, call everybody. Um, come say your goodbyes. He's not going to make it. Uh, so walking out of the hospital a week later and going home was a miracle. And yeah. to me... It just, it hasn't been easy since then. We've had, we've been in and out of the hospital for so long Mm. and um, it's not over yet, but who cares? (laughs) His son's alive. My daughter saved his life and it's just, it's the two of them, their interaction, their love for each other and the jokes that we have about how much you know, he owes her because she saved his life. It's it's all of those. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what's your biggest fear? Not impacting enough women before mm. I go. Hmm. I want to I want to touch as many women as I possibly can while I'm still here. Yeah. Huh. What do you think your next steps for like the coaching and the the impacting of women's lives? What do you think for yourself right now that is? So right now I'm in a healing stage. Yeah. I just got out of a relationship with Arlie. We it was a lovely, beautiful uncoupling, much better mm-hmm. than what we were doing last time. <laughs> Um, and we still talk every day. Um, it's amazing. And he is one of my best friends and I'm so grateful. But I'm definitely healing. Mm-hmm. Um, being in isolation for 17 months, only literally being around like the same four people for <laughs> 17 months is yeah. insane. So I recognize that I'm on a, I'm on a path of healing right now. Once I'm on the other side of that, um, I definitely want to hold more. Um, I held a couple of live events uh, before COVID uh, called Connected Conversations, and it was just a monthly um, meetup, and it was beautiful. And it was just a group of women, and I just kind of moderated it and led it, and mm. it it was just a chance for women to just show up in the ways that they wanted to without any judgment. And I took all of that out the window as soon as, as soon as everyone walked in and I just said, you know, this is not a place where we're going to judge or look at someone and think that they're not enough or, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just realized the impact um, that that had on myself and on, you know, my friends who experienced it and complete strangers. My first event, I had 30 women show up. I was like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I just want more of that. And 
I want, I just want women to feel supported. So I'm not sure what way that's going to look like right now. I'm currently mm-hmm. not working with any clients. I've had a lot of emails over the past couple of months. Um, but I am choosing to not work with anyone at the moment because I'm not able to give them what, yeah. what they would deserve from me. Yeah. Um, and you also so, yeah. deserve time to and space to heal. Yeah. Well, yeah. and before I I got fired from a couple of clients a few years ago when and I know I recognized I wasn't I was like spreading myself too thin and mm-hmm. I wasn't showing up in the ways that I know I can show up. Yeah. And I just I don't ever want to have someone I don't ever want to let someone down in that way again. I know right. I'm going to let people down, but I don't want to let them down in in those ways. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that whenever I do open my books up again for coaching, that I am showing up in a way that I f- 100% can stand behind every single day yeah. and have, you know, some pride and some dignity with how I am, I'm serving my clients. Nice. Um, okay. We're going to go into the last set of questions now. This one, it doesn't have to be about romance and romantic relationships. It could be poker or work, working out, hobbies, whatever. But just finish this sentence. I wish I had someone with whom I could share. Oh, my gosh. Um, Oh, my God. I don't know. I'm so very lucky. I don't think I'm lacking in anything right now. Even salsa? Um, well, I mean, yeah, I haven't danced in 17 <laughs> months. Okay. Oh, so, well, 18 months now. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, I wish I wish I had someone I could dance with five days a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, okay. If you knew in one year that you were going to die suddenly, would you change anything about the way that you're living now? I would. I would um, get off social media and this like random wandering that I do occasionally and I just waste so much time. Uh, And I would just, I would probably just get more accomplished. Not probably. I definitely would get more done every day, more, Mm -hmm. more purposeful time. Right. Huh. Yeah. I feel like I'd nap. <laughs> and I know that's terrible. <laughs> I'm so That's tired not terrible. Right what do you mean? I feel like I would nap. I would nap. And I know it's Naps like, are probably so be a underrated. Waste of time. I think they are too. <laughs> I haven't had one in a very long time. So yeah. It's not the most exciting answer, but there you go. What? Um, I think that's a fantastic answer. Well, I don't know. I I'm think I would to think about yeah, rest and like trying to be a well-rested person so that I can actually, like you say, using your words, like show up Mm -hmm. to the best of my ability as a mom, you know, in my job, in all kinds of arenas. But I think I need a nap for that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, or two, maybe, or three. I don't know. So here's the list. Map. Check. Yeah. Nap. Check. Nap. Check. (laughs) Yeah. And that's good. And then see what happens after that when I actually have the energy for it. After a nap, you can do anything. I kind of feel like I would be able to. It's become such a big thing in my head now that like it's this amazing idea post-nap care. I would be like a, a rock star. She would just 
she'd have time and energy for everything. I'd probably even like stay up past 1030. It would be incredible. I know. My life is pretty (laughs) incredible. Having had a toddler all the way through lockdown with no help, it's been, it's been a lot. I'll be honest. It's, uh, I I just had my birthday a few days ago and I feel every year of those years. So yeah, (laughs) this last year and a half has been a lot for a lot of us. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so the next question is, if you and I were to become close friends, what is one thing that I would need to know about you? Are there any deal breakers or is there any kind of defining thing that I should know? I am a long hugger. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I would be terrified right long now. long hugs. Perfect. <laughs> I like, love it. I love, um, I love breaking people out of their comfort zones. Nice. Um, and I just, I love long hugs. I really, oh. it's something I've grown to love. And both my kids are amazing huggers as well. <laughs> nice. Uh, it's something I get compliments on all the time are my hugs. So that's okay. super important. All right. Well, the next time we're in a live event together, let's have a nice long hug. I mean, I'm down for it. I probably would be terrified because I honestly have almost had zero physical contact with anyone outside of like the three people I live with right now or the mm-hmm. two other people I live with. So yeah, that would be, I might, well, I might cry. We'll take it slow. I promise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, when did you last cry in front of someone or by yourself? I mean, I cried already on this podcast. Yes. Aside from that. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think I cried a few days ago while meditating. Hmm. Uh, every now and then I have a good cry and it's, it's, uh, it's really nice. Hmm. Um, there's a meditation I listen to called I Receive That and it's a guided meditation and she, um, she just says positive affirmations and you are to repeat it in first person and then say, and I receive that after. Hmm. And sometimes saying stuff like, (laughs) you know, I am. I think I said it earlier and one of the things was like uh, no matter how much you you did today or didn't do, you know, I am doing my best. No matter what I did mm. today, I'm doing my best and I received that. Uh, sometimes those reminders are what you need and and it's like, oh, it, it becomes overwhelming and you're like, okay, yes, I receive it. Oh. I'm here. <laughs> wow. Can you feel the difference in who you are while you're meditating now versus at the beginning of like the 511 days of meditation that you've done in a row? Oh my goodness. Yes. Really? <laughs> so for people out there looking about, you know, for a lot of poker players, the the mental game is really important. The physical health is really important. You know, this is, we, we know that if we're going to play really well, we should be at optimal mental health, emotional health mm-hmm. and physical health. So would you suggest people do take up a form of meditation? 100%. I will mm. say, so I've been meditating off and on for 10 years. Um, but I had always been trying to kind of like, first I was doing what other people were doing. I was like, I can't find Zen. I can't empty my thoughts. I can't. <laughs> there was all of these things that I thought I needed to do. Mm. And I had to like play around with it and try. And I think this is like anything. You have to try different things, figure out what works for you. And once it works for you, you have to create a system and make sure that system 
that you adhere to it. Mm. And that's what I did. Like before I reached this this streak of the 500 and however many days, I, I it's in my phone. Uh, my biggest, my longest streak was I think 85 days. Mm. And when I got to when I started to approach like the 80 something days, I was like, all right, I'm just going to make sure I beat the streak. It was about <laughs> beating the streak. Right. Now, now that it's, you know, I, I feel, I feel more patient. I feel more receptive to things. Uh, and I'm able to detach more. That's one of the things I am constantly uh, reiterating. And when I write, I write down things I want to accomplish before I play. And one of the things that I'm constantly um, talking about is detaching from outcomes, while right. especially while I'm in the heat of, you know, in the middle of a session, because that doesn't do me any good. And mm. and being able to detach from outcomes and 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 kind of completely shed entitlement, which is I think a big problem mm. that we have as poker players. We think if we're better than someone, or if we play, if we do the right play, or if math is on our side, that we're entitled to win. And shedding that entitlement and detaching from outcomes has been has I've been able to do that because of meditation. Hmm. I don't do it all the time and I'm not perfect, you know, <laughs> but I'm able to Quite literally, I say it out loud. I catch myself and I'm like, okay, Ebony. And I will say these things out loud and give myself a pep talk. And I do it on stream. I do it when I'm by myself. And I will literally – it'll be the the redirect where I'm like, okay, you're acting entitled now. Let's detach from outcomes. Just shut it. Breathe. It's up to you. Your responsibility is to play every hand to the best of your ability. Thank you, Elliot Rowe. <laughs> <laughs> and – and that has been the thing that I'm able to come back to it. And I think as poker players, for sure, like meditation is always available to you. Mindfulness is such a huge, powerful, powerful tool to have in your toolbox, along with, you know, taking care of your body physically and, and getting good rest and eating nutrient-dense foods mm. that don't put you in, you know – carbicide. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but I think mental health is, is, is the best thing. And for me, it's something I can access at any time. I can go, I can go back to my breath mm -hmm. any moment. It's always available to me. I love that. I think that's a really beautiful place for us to finish as well, because I think that's, I don't know. I think that's a really good message for poker players and non-poker players alike, that there is a lot of value in meditation. And I think a lot of people actually figured that out in the last 17 months as well. So mm. <laughs> I hope so. Um, thank you very much for coming on. I feel like we could keep talking for a really long time. And I, I think we probably will at some point in person <laughs> over a glass of Absolutely. wine or a cocktail. <laughs> yes. Cool. I love your honesty. And I really do appreciate, you know, what you put out into the world and, and your energy. And yeah, so thank you for coming. Oh, thank you so much, Kara. Cool. Thank you for having me on. And I just want, um, if I can just say something really yeah. quick for everyone. Um, I think it's so important that, you know, I, I know that I've changed a lot and evolved as a human. And don't let people keep you in the boxes mm -hmm. that they're used to having you in. Don't be afraid to break out of those boxes. And I think I'm a much different person than I was. And if I had 
if I held on to what people's idea of me was, I would not have found, you know, meditation. I wouldn't have found um, the growth and the honesty and the ability to say I'm sorry and the ability to say I don't know if yeah. I had decided to stay in those boxes. So don't be afraid to break away from the box. <laughs> I love it. It's a really good message and really, really important. Well, thank you again. And thank you everyone for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed getting to know the heart of Ebony Kinney. And uh, I'll see you all next time on the Heart of Poker. 